Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast Investorpreneur, where investors meet entrepreneur. Here we talk about everything investing real estate, and today let us talk about real estate and asset allocation in your portfolio. My name is Peter Leong and I'm a global real estate investor. I own, invest, and develop properties all around the world. You may have seen me on videos or on stage working with serial entrepreneurs and investors. I'm also a private equity business and angel investor as well. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at I am Peter Leung. It is also on Facebook where I share these ideas, videos, and inspirations as I journey to intergenerational wealth. If you have any questions, email us at podcast at IamPeterLeung.com where we will get back to you. So what makes a perfect portfolio? As a matter of fact, is there such thing as a perfect portfolio? What are the risks? What are the returns? Is there a fine balance? Do you have to have more risk in order for you to have more return? In my opinion, you don't. You absolutely do not need to have more risk to have more return. However, with every investment, there is gonna be some risk. Now, if you take risk out of an opportunity, then there is no opportunity, there is no return. So there's something very important in that where you have to identify what the goals, what the views, what the importance of your portfolio, and what, the, what your vision of your portfolio to achieve, and you need to build around that goal, around that vision. So what are the, some of the things I evaluate? And I'll share with you how I build my portfolio from the basis of real estate and the asset allocations in it. So when it comes to asset allocation, for me, in my perfect portfolio, would be you know, risk, timeline, return, value, and liquidity. These are the five basic things that I value or I look to identify when I look at investing. So what are the risks involved? Is there something that's materially built into the risk of that investment? You'll hear me talk about risk all the time because every investor looks at risk first. All the professional investors look at what the risk is involved in making an investment. They don't look at how much it can make, they look at how bad it can be or what the challenges could be. Can they absorb that type of risk for that return? For me, I like low risk. Right? I like a level three risk with a level five return. That's what I'm looking for. So I want my odds of winning to be over 50%. And that's just how I like my investment. So you'll find that with all my investing, whether with investors and where I w utilize or use other people's capital, that I also like very low risk. So for those people who want, you know, go big or go home, they're not investors that I want. Uh, funding my deals, or they're not investors that I feel are suited for, um, you know, working with me. And I, I choose to turn those people away because, you know, alignment of vision, alignment of goals need to be the same. And I shared with you that on my previous podcast. So second thing is timeline. How long am I looking to invest, right? Me being 38, I've got a long horizon. I'm willing to work hard. i my butt. I want to make sure that I get the best opportunities. I want to make sure that I'm able to control and utilize my time the best I can. And of course, I've got a bit of a runway, but with that runway, I want to make sure that I'm diligent with what type of risks and timeline I'm playing with. So I don't want to be thinking, okay, I'm going to invest in this thing for 20 years unless that was the best for that investment. And I always plan really ahead. Um, if an investment is gonna take a really long time, then I will need to make sure that I'm okay with an illiquidity of that investment. And typically, 
a lot of these really far-fetched timelines are going to come with less liquidity. Not always, but some of the time. And sometimes doing flips or doing flips with property or doing really quick, uh, you know, not day trading, but you know, relatively short time trading, you know, that timeline is something I very much consider because that also comes again with liquidity. And then return. How much return am I invest or interested in? How much return am I comfortable with? You know, some people are comfortable with a 2%, 3%, 4% rate of return. I'm okay holding cash with no return. Yes, but I don't hold that cash there forever. You know, I might utilize financial strategies and tools in order for me to consider a lot of that cash, right? Whether it's uh, CDs, which is, um, you know, uh, coupons from the bank, or I utilize term deposits, or even, um, you know, structures that allow for a huge amount of liquidity, but it's locked in for two, two weeks, or three weeks, or four weeks at a time. Uh, that's okay to me. And the reason for that is because they're, rel they're very safe. They allow me to have liquidity. And if I do buy property or stocks and whatnot, I'm able to utilize that cash very quickly, or I'm able to turn that into cash very quickly and without loss of income or without loss of that capital. And that's the return component. For me, I look at anything at least at a 10% plus rate of return. People would tell me, oh, you know, I'm, I'm okay with a very low rate of return. I'm like, that, that's perfect. It depends on your risk, it depends on your timeline and everything else associated. But because of my timeline, because of my risk appetite, I am looking at 10%. Now, a lot of people go, can you achieve that 10%? Absolutely, you can. I believe that you can for sure achieve that type of return as long as you understand what you are doing. So next is value. Am I buying at a good price? And whether it's stocks, bonds, whether it's alternative investments, I look at what type of value can, it, can I get from it? What's in it for me? How do I ensure that my odds of winning are more likely if I make this investment? Again, over 50% winning ratio. I need to bat more wins than my losses. And as a matter of fact, I like I don't like to lose. I don't like losses. I don't like writing down assets. I don't like that at all. So because of that, I'm even more careful when I evaluate that from a risk appetite. And it still needs to be able to justify the risk, the return, and I'm buying at a good valuation. Last but not least is liquidity. How much liquidity is there in an investment? And why this is all intertwined, it's almost like personality, right? You have a bit of everything. You don't have you know, huge liquidity, but you have no risk. I mean, yes, you can have that, that's cash, right? You, you know, essentially that's the case. But um, in, in this particular case, liquidity to me is, as an investor, as a serial investor, as a global investor, it's very, very important. Because as you might've heard from many, many people, cash is king. I also like to add to that, not only cash is king, but cash flow is king. Because having cash allows you to deploy the capital, but the goal is to produce cash flow for me. Yes, it's gonna be capital appreciation. I would love more capital appreciation in all my assets. But what happens is I want to eventually turn all that cash into more and more cash flow. Because that's what I can take to the bank. That's what I can pay my meals for, that's what I can pay my mortgage, that's how I can take my children to private school, that's how I can afford my lifestyle. So to me, you know, I, you know, I, I love the, 
the, the golden goose, right? Um, the scenario with golden goose is like the cash. But what happens is I want that cash to produce results for me. And that's whether it's gonna be in cash, whether it's going to be investments, whether it's real estate. These are all the various tools I want uh, liquidity from, from my cash. And that gives me the ability to deploy this capital anytime I want. So with that being said, there is no right answer as to the perfect portfolio and it's constantly being rebalanced. Well, how do you rebalance your portfolio? Well, a lot of people hire financial planners and everything else like that. And I go, you know what? I do have a, my, uh, my CFP, which is a certified financial planners license way back in the day. But here's the, the reality. Nobody cares about your money more than you do, right? Whether in real estate, nobody cares about your real estate more than you do. Nobody cares about your mortgage more than you do. Nobody cares about more your cash more than you do. Nobody cares about your family more than you do. And in times of distress, like right now, what's going on with unemployment and job losses and, and uh, fluctuation in interest rates and uh, you know, equity returns and real estate returns, nobody cares more about you than you. And how do you then have to evaluate your risk profile, your perfect portfolio? So you have to be able to build what I call a net worth statement. Now there's no standard for this, but it, I essentially it's like your balance sheet. That tells me basically what I'm currently doing. Now it's not my assistant, it's not my financial planner, it's nobody else that manages this net worth statement other than me. And yes, it does take time, but this is where I get really wound up about all the little, little things. Because I take, I look at all my statements, plug it into a spreadsheet, identify where I currently stand. With real estate, I plug in the latest valuation, latest surveyor, or latest property evaluation from the government for my taxes. And that's fine for me. I just need to know where I currently stand. Essentially about 50% of my net worth is gonna be in real estate or some form of real estate. And now th this does have a, a fluctuation of usually plus or minus 10%. Um, and cash is another uh, very big portion of my portfolio because I need that to utilize for opportunities. And then about 30% of it would be in alternatives or you know, equities, in bonds, in cash flowing strategies or you know, any of the above. So here's the thing. You have to determine what's most important to you. You have to determine what that perfect portfolio is gonna look like. For me, this is what I've been most comfortable with. I can take advantage of opportunities when I want. I don't have to always ask the bank for a loan. I can complete properties on a cash basis. But that also then determines what type of property am I looking for, right? As many of you know, I work with a lot of serial investors and we do a lot of deals together and they fund a lot of my deals and we provide a very good return for them. But in order for me to do that, I am oftentimes doing due diligence and actually submitting offers on the basis where if no investors were to be invested with me, I can still honor those deals. I can still go do those deals. And if I can't do it and the bank and I can do them together, or there's investors of mine that will always back me up. And that's the relationship that we have. So the correct answer to what is important to your portfolio is, is, is never 100%. There's always gonna be fluctuations based upon your family situation and your financial situation, and also the environment of the economy. So there's no particular one thing that I value, but 
Why I put real estate as such a big part of my asset allocation is because I love real estate. It's changed my life. There's nothing that I have been able to find that consistently produces results, whether from a cash flow, whether from an appreciation, whether from a, um, an, an equity basis that, that gives me the stability like real estate. And of course, that depends on what type of real estate you pick. But as you know, most of my properties are cash flowing strategy based real estate. So where somebody pays my mortgage, it appreciates over time, it outpaces inflation, it's always tangible, there's, you know, I can actually touch it, feel it, smell it, right? I'm, it's always in demand, people need a place to, to live and yet they're not building more land. So I love to hold and hoard real estate. Now I'm not in love with it because when the right people come along that wants to pay the right price, I'm always available for sale of a particular property. So I'm not attached to properties. I just value them. The other part of it is going to be like stocks, bonds, um, and alternatives. So, you know, whether it's going to be profitable companies, my stock portfolio is always profitable companies. I don't like buying losers. Well, what do I mean by losers? pure speculation place. So companies that don't actually have what we call earnings per share, those stocks are not for me. So I'm not into a lot of the cannabis stocks that are in Canada that's legalized now. I'm not into companies that are speculative. I'm not into companies that literally have no you know, revenue model or no net revenue model. That's just not for me. When it comes to bonds, I look for investment grade bonds. I look for bonds that are with uh, Fortune 500 companies or real estate companies, you know, significant assets where they have enough long-term asset to be able to repay my bond. And that's very important because they basically, I'm what a bond is, is basically I'm lending money to that company. And We'll cover more of these in detail, but essentially in terms of asset allocation, stocks, bonds, and alternatives are what is covered in that 30 uh, plus or minus 10%. And that also includes insurance. I love insurance. I was in, in the insurance industry before, and I can tell you the importance of insurance. And for those who goes, oh, you know, I don't need insurance. What if I could turn an insurance into an asset appreciation play? Right? What if I can utilize a strategy like that and alongside with growth of my uh, portfolio? And that's why it's so attractive. So you need to understand the rules of the game. You need to understand not only the, you know, the rules, but you need to know how to apply those rules in its most efficient format. And also because of insurance, I'm able to utilize that for a tax strategy as well. So that is where, where long-term asset appreciation is. All my alignment essentially is 80% mid to long term. I only do very little on a day-to-day, uh, -day, uh, on a very quick turnaround, on a less than one year strategy. Now, of course, you know, 20% of my portfolio is sitting in that, whether it's going to be deployment and refunding of deals, et cetera, or lending or private lending, or whether it's going to be, you know, buying an asset and flipping it. So yes, I do have an allocation for that, but I want you to understand that in terms of building your asset allocation to various different tools, never be fully invested at all times. One of my very good uh, friends, Dr. Tan, which runs FIUM Asset Management in um, Malaysia and Singapore, one of the most sought after uh, fund managers in, in uh, Southeast Asia, in, in, in the Asian countries, 
you know, he's considered the Asian Warren Buffett. And his theory is never to be invested at all times. And I, I've taken that to heart. Why do I, you know, why is it so important? It's because there's never one thing that will always achieve all of your goals, right? I love real estate, but that doesn't mean other things don't work. And so as a global investor, as an investor that's prudent, you need to be able to diversify appropriately. Now, never over diversify. We'll cover that in another topic, but in essence, in my portfolio, you can see that I value risk timeline, return value, and liquidity. These are how I justify the returns. This is how I justify my investment portfolio and my asset allocation as well. Here's a few other little things, cash flow, holding for cash, and lending. These are other things that I do as part of my alternatives. But you know, my goal is very simple. I want to be able to do whatever I want, whenever I want, with whomever I want. And that's what investing as an entrepreneur has been able to do for me. And I hope it will be able to do the same for you. But, you know, leave a comment. Let me know what you think. And I'm sure you guys have a lot of questions. But along this line, this is my foundational framework for how I'm able to allocate my assets and allocate my resources to be able to build more with more consistency, with less risk, with more liquidity, and with longer term returns. Again, this is Peter Leung, Global Real Estate Investor. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your listening. I hope you're able to pick something up from this podcast and make your portfolio right for you. But here's the thing, make sure you do that net worth statement. That single-handedly has helped me understand where I stand in my financial position every quarter. I do that myself, nobody else. Once again, thank you for listening. I look forward to seeing you guys next time.